Red. I'm off. Am I on? Okay. I want to be sure you can hear me. Well, Keith called up and asked me to come. He said, well, I don't know, Keith. He said, well, he said, we'd love for you to come. I, I know our people would love to hear you speak. I said, well, I, I just don't know, Keith. And he said, well, we, you know, we'd love for you to come several Sundays in December. I, I don't know, Keith. He said, well, hey, we're going to be feeding you the first Sunday. I'll be there. I'll be there. What time? Where? You win. You know, you mentioned food to a Baptist preacher. It's like saying sick them to a dog, you know. So we're so glad you're here. Wasn't this a beautiful service? Wasn't this fantastic? It, it, this is the first chrism. Am I saying that right? Chrismon. This is the first one I've ever experienced. How about you, Luke? Have you ever seen one of these before? No. I've, I've lived a sheltered life. These are, these are actually very beautiful. When you get close to them, see, you ought to come up here and look at them after, after the service. But this service and the beautiful music, oh, it was just wonderful. Everything just kind of dovetailed together uh, to what I'd like to talk about. And we'll, we'll be talking about this for several weeks. And uh, it just, the Lord's plan is amazing. He knows how to plan everything, doesn't he? And the music, the ornaments, the Christmas ceremony, Everything just came together because I, I want to talk this morning about Christmas. In 2017, a movie came out, and it was entitled The, the Man Who Invented Christmas, which I thought was a pretty bold title. You know, I said, well, that caught my interest right away, The Man Who Invented Christmas. I said, well, wait a minute, nobody invented Christmas. But, you know, I was hasty to judgment because when I began to look into it, it was actually a movie about a book of all things. It was a movie about the book, The Christmas Carol. Now, all of us know what The Christmas Carol is about, right? We've either seen it, we've read it, it's been around for years, and every, every Christmas, at some point, I, I usually watch The Christmas Carol or I read it, but the whole movie was about the culture in England during the time of Charles Dickens that Little by little, the Christmas celebration had, had gone dark. It, it wasn't as vibrant, as vital as it was. And there was a lot of problems, social unrest. There was a lot of poverty. And so it was this really dark time. Well, Charles Dickens comes along, and it, it, it gives the whole backstory of how Charles came to write this book and everything. It's a fascinating movie. I, I encourage you to, to watch the movie or read the book because it's, it's really fascinating how these characters came to life for him. But... To make it all concise to one statement, most people contribute the Christmas carol with reviving Christmas in England during that time, where the celebration had almost died away because of the Christmas carol and the popularity of that book. It actually, there was a resurgence of charity and kindness among people, and, and one of the aims of the movie and, and this book, The Man Who Invented Christmas, was to tell us about that story. So I, my wheels got to turn into my head, so I said, hey, that would make a great sermon series. So I've titled mine, and I, I robbed it unashamedly from this movie, The Man Who Recorded Christmas. And if you'd like to read along in your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and we're going to be in this for the whole month. So you can saturate yourself with these verses. Now, Luke chapter 1 and... Uh, Verses 1 through 4, 
probably are some of the most neglected verses in all the Bible. Do you know why? Because it's an introduction. Most preachers will have an introduction real quick and get right into the message. And a lot of times we'll read in the Bible. Uh, let's be honest. When we read the genealogies in Matthew, we, we go right past them, don't we? To be honest. You know, so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. But there's a lot of riches in those genealogies. But it's just human nature. We want to get to the story. We want to get to the meat of the story. So in Luke chapter 1, we have Luke's introduction. Uh, his prelude, some people said, prologue. And so Luke is telling us what he's about to do in the Gospel of Luke. So we want to just, in, in, in the way of introduction, we just want to kind of tell you uh, where we're going at with this, and we want to tell you, give you a little background. So would you join with me in prayer? Our Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house today. And thank you, Father, for the beautiful service we've had thus far. Thank you for the music and the beautiful uh, chrism, uh, lighting of the tree and the decorations. And, and Lord, it's just been a wonderful service so far, and we thank you for that. And now, as we look into your word, we pray that you challenge us from the word of God. Open uh, the truth to us from the word of God. And Lord, may we find something today in the word of God, in the message that we're about to hear, that we can apply to our hearts. Bless now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like for you to read along with me uh, in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered to us, verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, Theophilus is an important character in this story. Isn't it interesting in the Bible, there are some Bible names that are just fun to say, Theophilus. I just like saying that, Theophilus. It's fun. You know, it seems like it should be in a Charlie Brown Christmas. You know, one of the kids should be named Theophilus. You know, I, don't you think I'd be... Yeah, why don't you try it? Y'all are looking at me skeptically. All right, I want you to say Theophilus. Theophilus. Pretty, I'm impressed. Let's try it again. Theophilus. I'm impressed. One more time. Theophilus. I've got everybody smiling now. Everybody's smiling. We can carry on. Everyone's smiling. Okay. It took a while for some of you, but I got you there, all right? Now, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And depending on how you interpret the authorship of the New Testament, if you interpret it one certain way, Luke wrote the majority of the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? And Luke, a Gentile writer, wrote the majority of the New Testament. So he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote also the book of Acts. Let's read the introduction to the book of Acts in verses 1 and 2 of Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O... All right, guys, you're with me. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And who was Luke writing to? Theophilus. All right, you guys, you're after my heart. All right, we're going to answer three quest questions real quickly, really quickly. 
Why four Gospels? Why do we have four Gospels? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, we only have two birth accounts in the New Testament. We find them in Matthew and in Luke. Strangely, Mark doesn't say anything about the birth of Christ, and John doesn't say anything about the birth of Christ, which seems kind of peculiar to us, doesn't it? But I believe with all of my heart that God inspired the Word of God, and he had a plan to put it together. And some people question and say, well, why, why do we have four different Gospels? Why don't we just have one Gospel with one main story? Well, I think there's, there's a method to the madness of the Bible. And that method is that God wanted to, to give us a picture of the life of Christ. And one of the most effective ways to, to do a picture uh, or create a picture or a photograph is to have several different angles. And if you're in a trial and you're having a witness uh, come up and testify about something, one of the most effective things to do is to have several different witnesses to uh, testify about a crime or something like that. So when we come to the, the Gospels, there are four different Gospels, but each one is unique and has a special purpose. Matthew was addressing the Jewish person. That's why he has the genealogies. At the very beginning of Matthew, what do we run into? Genealogies. Why? Because he wanted them to understand uh, Jesus' uh, Jewish heritage. Then we come to Mark, and Mark has nothing to say about the birth of Christ. He goes immediately into the baptism of Christ and the service of Christ. Why? Because Mark wants us to understand the servanthood of Jesus Christ. That's why the animal, the ox, is often associated with the gospel of Mark. Now we come to Luke, which is going to be our, our focus today. And Luke begins with what? He begins with an introduction, the only one of the gospels that have the introduction. And then he goes right into a detailed story about the birth of Christ. And many of the things we heard about in our presentation today, if it were not for the gospel of Luke, we would not have them. We wouldn't know about the angels appearing. We, we wouldn't know about the shepherds. We, we wouldn't know about Mary and Joseph finding a room. We wouldn't know about the shepherds coming and finding a newborn. We wouldn't know all that if it, if it were not for the gospel of Luke. So God chose the gospel of Luke. Now, what was the emphasis of the gospel of Luke? He was a Gentile, and the emphasis was to show that the gospel was for all mankind. And he's being a Gentile. Many of the stories in the gospel of Luke point to the importance that the gospel is not just for the Jew, but it's also for the Gentile. As a matter of fact, the gospel is for the whole world. And so that was Luke's emphasis. So that's why Luke, a Greek, a Gentile, God chose him to give us these two important books in the Bible. Then we have John. John is an amazing book. And John starts out with one of the, the deepest theological statements in, in, in all of the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What a mouthful. And he, I mean, he starts right out that, and John is all about the deity of Jesus Christ and that Jesus is God come in the flesh. And often an eagle is associated with the Gospel of John because it soars so high, and John soared so high in the theology of Jesus Christ. I remember when I was... Uh, taking a, a gospel survey in Piedmont Bible College in Winston-Salem, my teacher, Dr. Tommy Lawrence, came into class one day. He picked up a book, and he threw the book across the room, whatever, and all the students went, oh, oh you know, and, and this guy's lost it. We thought he was crazy. And then he stood up there, and he looked at us, and he said, now, what just happened? 
What just happened? He pointed at that person. They said, well, you threw a book across the room. He pointed at somebody else. What just happened? They said, well, you threw a red book and you hit the window. And he, th- and, and he went around the whole room. And you know what we discovered? Everybody saw that throwing of the book from a different angle. And when you put all of those different together, you have a full picture of what happened. And then Tommy Lawrence went on to say, that is exactly why we have four Gospels. So we can get a, a full picture of the most important important person in the universe, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then we ask the question, who was Luke? We've mentioned it several times. He was a Greek. He was a Gentile. He was very highly educated. The opening introduction to Luke is one of the most pristine examples of correct classical Greek in all of the Bible. People are in awe of these four verses. They say, this guy had to know what he was doing to write an introduction like this. He was a physician. He was a doctor. And what, what do doctors have to have for their, uh, their trade? They have to have very important skills of observation, don't they? They have to listen to a patient. They have to look at that patient. They have to listen, listen to our hearts. They have to pay attention to, to try to figure out exactly what's going on. And look, 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 took those skills of observation. And he put him to the life of Christ. And he observed things that the other gospel writers don't observe. And he emphasized things that the other gospels didn't uh, emphasize. And, and Luke is mentioned only three times in the Bible. Luke wasn't a disciple. He was in the first century after the birth and death of Christ, but he wasn't one of the disciples. And Luke gives us this most de- de- uh, 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 intricate detail of the life of Christ. And yet he's only mentioned three times. In uh, Colossians 4.14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas, Colossians 4.14. 2 Timothy 4.11, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring with him, with you, for he is very useful to me for the ministry. And then finally... In Philemon 124, and so Mark, Artiscus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Now notice Paul referred to Luke as the beloved physician. Luke actually traveled with the apostle Paul and was his personal physician. Can you imagine what it was like to travel with Paul from place to place and hear Paul preach and teach every day? Can you imagine Luke sitting there as a Gentile and hearing Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, opening the word of God to him. And after that was all over, God laid it on Luke's heart to give to us this wonderful, wonderful book. But we have to understand that Luke being a Gentile, he had to come to a place where he understood, and he understood that the gospel was not just for the Jewish person, but the gospel was for all the world. Some people believe that the the key verse in Luke is Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That became Luke's heartbeat. A.T. Robinson, a great Greek scholar, wrote this observation about Luke. He said, he is a Greek and a Christian, a friend of Paul and a Theophilus, there's our guy, a physician and a preacher, a literary man, and a friend of the poor, a champion of women and of children, a friend of of good and of sinners, a historian, a poet, a mystic, a musician, a humanitarian, a humanist, 
a traveler on land, on sea, a student of scriptures, a medical missionary, a harmonizer of science and of theology, interpretation of Peter and of Paul, but most of all, the lover and interpreter of Jesus Christ, a man of prayer and faith. One cannot help but feel how delightful and lovable a man this man Luke must have been. So why? Why did God choose Luke? Why did God choose Luke to give us one of the four Gospels? Because God wanted a Gentile to communicate to us, other Gentiles and other Greeks, that the Gospel is for all the world. And, and in Luke's Gospel, you begin to see this kind of seep up through the Luke, the, the Luke's Gospel. We, feel, we find the wonderful story about the Good Samaritan. You remember that story? And you remember that the, the, the one who, who stopped to help him was a Gentile. Do you remember that the, the story of the lost items? Do you rem remember that there was a, a lost coin, a lost sheep, a lost son? A, and all of these emphasize that the gospel was concerned about individuals, one person, one individual. So it's interesting that God chose Luke, and then in the midst of that, God said, okay, Luke, I want you to write this gospel, but I want you to send it to Theophilus, who we're not sure who he is. We think he's, a, most Bible scholars believe he was a, a very important uh, Roman officer or uh, government official because the way Luke addressed him, he said, uh, he said uh, in, the he said in uh, verse 3, excuse me, I write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And he says, most excellent Theophilus. Luke was chosen by God because God knew that Paul would influence Luke. And Luke would sit under the ministry of Paul day in and day out and travel all through. Uh, and, we, and we read all the letters, the epistles of Paul, and we see the influence that Paul had on Luke as Luke heard this day in and day out. And then Luke came to write this wonderful gospel, and God in all of his wisdom brought it all together in the person of Luke. Yes, one of the, the most well-known verses in all the Bible is what? John 3.16. What is John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, and that is a wonderful verse, and it's absolutely true, but sometimes when we look at John 3.16, we forget that the gospel is not only for the whole world, but the gospel is for the individual. The gospel is for each individual person. And maybe that's why the Holy Spirit led Luke to say in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm so thankful that God led Luke to write the gospel. We would have missed so much of the Christmas story if it hadn't been for the gospel of Luke. Aren't you glad God led Luke to write the gospel? And today, as we close out this service and we get ready to go enjoy that food, we can learn something from Luke, very important. Luke allowed himself to be influenced by a godly person, the Apostle Paul. But then, Luke turns around and he influences Theophilus, the one we like saying his name. And God allowed Luke to influence Theophilus. Do you know that's how God works? I remember Howard Hendricks, who was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. 
It said when Paul was chained in jail, on one side there was a Roman soldier chained to him. On another side there was a Roman soldier chained to him. And Paul had hours to <coughs> preach the gospel to them. And they couldn't go anywhere. They were chained to him. It was captive audience. And I remember Howard Hendricks said that it was kind of like a chain reaction. <laughs> he said that uh, Paul, every time, every eight hours, the shift was up, the guards would leave, new guards would come in, and guess what would happen? Paul would start telling them about Jesus Christ again. What I'd like to leave you with this morning as application is, who are you influencing for Jesus Christ? Now, I know, I know you're, not, you're not a preacher. You're not a missionary. I know, I know that. You, you don't have to tell me that. But, you know, I believe with all of my heart that God has us here to influence people. There's somebody in your life, it may be a neighbor, it may be a family member, it may be a co-worker, it may be somebody you know uh, that God has laid on your heart, but God has brought them into your life to influence for the cause of Christ. When I started uh, Faith Baptist Church, Almost 50 years ago, I worked at Limitor Corporation in Lynchburg, two hours away. And I worked in the office there, and there was a guy in the office, his name was Butch McDaniels. He wasn't a believer at all. And uh, he, he, matter of fact, he enjoyed making fun of me and calling me preacher boy, and he just loved teasing me all the time. So I worked with him for several years before I started my church. And so we come up here, and we're going to start our church, and, and I'm, I'm just wondering. I said, you know, I wonder if anyone at all from the place I worked at will come to the first day of my church. Will they travel two hours? I said, nah, I doubt it. So I get up there Sunday morning. I look out on the congregation, and guess who's sitting out there? Of all people, Butch McDaniels. He had got up and drove all the way from Lynchburg to be there for the very... And he was the last person in the world I would have ever thought that would have made that two-hour trip just to come to a, a first church service of somebody you knew at work. But you know what I didn't realize? Those days that I was working beside him, the days that we were talking, the days he was looking at me, the days he was making fun of me, he was looking very closely at me. And what I didn't realize, what I, I was having an influence on him, I didn't even realize it. And you know what? If you look around your life, there are people that you are having an influence on. Whether it's work, in your neighborhood, in your family, there's somebody that they are looking at you. You name the name of Christ. You say you're a Christ follower. And they're looking at you, and you are impacting them. Aren't you glad that Paul impacted Luke? And aren't you glad that Luke impacted Theophilus? And we have the gospel of Luke today because of that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you guys for listening. You've been, you've been so nice. You've been so patient and kind. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak. And I'm looking forward to getting to know some of you. But we just want to take a moment to reflect on what we've heard, what we've seen, the beautiful music, the lighting of the tree, the ornaments. It's all about influence. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. But it's all about Jesus Christ coming into this world and changing this world forever and what an influence he has had. 
The gospel writer said if we could write down everything, we wouldn't have enough books to contain all that we could about Jesus Christ. But I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if there's somebody here that says, you know what? There is somebody in my life that God has kind of laid on my heart. There's somebody that I have a, a burden for. I, I would like to see them become a Christian, or, or I'd like to see them come back to the church, or I'd like to see them come back to faith, or uh, come to know the Lord again and, 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 and be revived. And, but I wonder, do you recognize that? Do you recognize God has called you to be an influence? And you can be an influence. God used Luke. God used Paul. God used Theophilus. God can use you. We're just going to take a few moments to allow you to just pray right where you are. And if there's somebody that God lays on your heart, maybe you could just say, Lord, I, I just want to take this as a challenge, as a burden, that I'm going to try to reach out to that person. And I'm not saying preach a message to them. I'm not saying bombard them with Scripture. I'm saying show the love of Christ to them. Let them see Jesus in your life. Let them see how Jesus has changed you. And maybe you can give them hope that Jesus can change them also. I invite you that there's several wonderful deacons around here, Keith and many of the other guys. They would be glad to talk to you if you need to talk further. And if you're here without Jesus Christ, by all means, I would encourage you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ because we've, we've heard about Luke this morning, and Luke said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The whole story of Christmas is God loved sinners so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world to go to the cross and die for us that we might have eternal life. If you're here without Jesus Christ, we encourage you to trust him. Is there anyone here this morning with, with all our heads bowed and eyes closed? Anyone says, Pastor, would you just pray for me? Uh, God is dealing with me. Uh, I, I want to find Christ. I want to live for Christ. Would you, you just pray for me? I won't bother you. I won't approach you. I'm just going to pray for you. Anyone, anyone like that? Just quietly slip your hand up. Great. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, for your love for us. And Lord, we thank you for the reminder in your word that you care. You care for sinners. You care for the Jew and Gentile alike. And Father, we just pray that you would move in the hearts of people who are here. And Lord, we pray especially for those individuals that slip their hands up. We pray that you'd work in their hearts. Help them to find peace and help them find answers to what they're seeking for. Lord, now as we get ready to leave this place and Go enjoy food together. We ask your blessings upon the food that we're about to receive. Thank you for the, the ladies and the men who prepared the food, and thank you for the generosity and the hospitality of this church. Bless now, Father, we pray as we dismiss this service. In Jesus' name, amen.